It's time to eat. Get in my belly! Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is week 13 in the NFL, and holy crap, it is fantasy football crunch time. We are, of course, always presented by betonline.ag. Just use the promo code PODCAST1 to get that 50% sign-up bonus over at betonline.ag. He is Evan Silva, at Evan Silva on Twitter, the master of Roto World. He's got a fantasy football brain like no other. You guys already know that. That's why you come here. His encyclopedic knowledge of every relevant skill player is just unbelievable so that you know all about your guys, your entire lineup. You can make the decision for yourself. You're not just reading the rankings. You've got some context to it, which I absolutely love. I am a former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, journeyman, and I got beat in fantasy this past weekend. I was eight and three. The guy I was going against in the fantasy feast redraft league was eight and three. I was leading going into Monday night. I had Corey Davis. He had Deshaun Watson and Demarius Thomas. I think actually, if he only had Deshaun Watson, I still would have won. But Demarius Thomas, two touchdowns. Are you kidding me? Evan, it absolutely killed me. And I felt so bad about it that I immediately went and ate an R.M. Palmer 22-ounce milk chocolate football fantasy. It is amazing. I don't know if you guys have seen this on my social media yet, whether it's Twitter and Instagram, at Ross Tucker NFL, or Facebook, Facebook.com, slash Ross Tucker NFL. But this is actually, this company is from my hometown in Reading, Pennsylvania. My dad worked for them for 30 years, and they've got a 22-ounce hollow milk chocolate football. It's like legitimate size. I'll, t- I'll post a picture next week again of me holding it. It's like a legit size football and an unbelievable gift for dads, for sons, for wives, for anybody that likes football. If you like football and you like chocolate, and I know, Evan, you like both. This is perfect. You can even have it as the centerpiece for your Christmas dinner. You know what I mean? Have it right in the middle of, of the table. I love it. Have it right in the middle of the table for New Year's Eve or January 1st when you're watching football. Incredible. Log on to rmpalmer.com slash football to see it for yourself. RM Palmer dot com slash football i grew up on that stuff since my dad worked there it's the leader in seasonal novelties very very cool let's roll evan next meal evan let's start with the thursday nighter and we got a good one it's the saints and the cowboys yes sir played indoors at jerry world don't have to worry about any kind of weather concerns. Both teams play really solid run defense. Uh, so that could contribute to a little bit of higher scoring, more passes. You know, the clock stops when uh, on incompletions. Always more passing, uh, or typically equates to more scoring. Uh, you know, teams average, what, seven and a half yards per pass attempt versus, you know, four, four and a half yards per rushing attempt. So 
we prefer more passing from a, a fantasy football standpoint. And we may get a little bit more here because both teams are so good against the run. Concerns on Dallas's side. So, um, looks like they're going to be without Tyron Smith for the second straight game. They held up pretty well against Washington without him. Uh, Cam Fleming came in, played left tackle. Is really seen has always been seen as more of a run blocker than a pass protector. Um, those, those that weak, that deficiency, you know, you can kind of paper it over for a game or two. Uh, but you know, the more that Cam Fleming is out there, probably the worse it is for Dallas. And so that's a concern against the Saints. Marcus Davenport plays on that side the most. He came back last week. Saints pass rush has been on a tear of late 13 sacks over their last three games. So almost five a game. I think that the saints defense is an all right play, but that's the biggest concern that you face for Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott has scored a rushing touchdown in five of his last six games. Is that going to keep up? I don't know. It's probably going to regress back toward the mean. Um, And then from a passing standpoint, their, their passing game has picked up a lot since they acquired Amari Cooper. Uh, but, you know, will they have that same level of success against the Saints? I'm not sure. To me, Dak Prescott is a fringe streamer. The matchup is bad for Ezekiel Elliott, but, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, you're not going to bench Ezekiel Elliott since their bye week. He's averaging over 160 total yards. Uh, one of my high-stakes leagues, we have Zeke Elliott going uh, in this game. With a, we're, we're getting into to the portion of the season where there's a lot of money on the line. Um, and we're a little bit concerned about Zeke Elliott, but, you know, we're not going to mess around and bench him for Peyton Barber or something. We're just going to hope for the best. Amari Cooper uh, going up against Marshawn Lattimore, it's a tough matchup, but, you know, uh, kind of expected him to be chased by Josh Norman on Thanksgiving. He wasn't. Quentin Dunbar came back, and uh, he was not chased really at all by Josh Norman. And the Saints have uh, played the shadow game, uh, less than than they have uh, actually gone through with it since acquiring Eli Apple. So no guarantees that Marshawn Lattimore is on uh, Amari Cooper anyways. I think you keep rolling him. Wide receiver two, volume has been there. Big plays have been there. Consistency has been there, with the exception of one game uh, across four since he was acquired for a first-round pick from the Raiders. Uh, Cole Beasley, if you want to get cute, has a good matchup, but Targets have not been there since the Amari deal. Uh, Michael Gallup has one game of 55 yards or more and one touchdown all season. Tight ends. Saints are really good at defending tight ends, and Cowboys don't have one that they throw the ball to very much. Um, from a, a, uh, On the other side, Drew Brees, I think the matchup sets up best for Drew Brees, uh, more so than the running game. And I think the best place to attack the Cowboys is in the middle of the field, especially – with no Sean Lee. Now, Leighton Vander Ash has played really, really well, uh, but Jalen Smith, not as good as coverage, not as good in coverage, uh, and better playing downhill. They use him as an edge rusher a lot, but when Sean Lee is out, Jalen Smith has to play more in coverage. Uh, Pro Football Focus has charted him with 31 receptions allowed on 40 targets this season, about 78% completion rate. I think that the Saints can attack that deficiency with Alvin Kamara. Specifically, Mark Ingram is going to be in that 11 to 16 touch range, probably on the lower end of that range in this game. 
He tends to have his bigger games in blowout wins. I don't think that this is going to be a blowout win. Um, I think that he's like a low-end RB2 in this game. Uh, Michael Thomas had a slow game on Thanksgiving. It was like everybody everybody got into the act. Everybody scored touchdowns except for Michael Thomas. That sort of stuff tends to come full circle. Uh, you look at the numbers that the, the Cowboys have allowed uh, just uh, relative to opposing wide receivers, giving up the most to interior receivers. Michael Thomas does only run 33% of his routes on the interior, but when he's in there, he has the highest target rate in the NFC. When Whenever he is in the slot, he's being targeted 30% of the time. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a lot of targets on the interior. Uh, he has... Uh, he leads the NFL in yards per route run from the slot, and he has the seventh most slot yards in the NFL this year. Uh, so I think that he gets back on track against Dallas. Um, the rest of the guys are really dart throws. We don't know about Traquan Smith's health. We do know that he has been better uh, at the Superdome than on the road, although this you know surface and playing environment would seem to suit him. But the Cowboys do not give up big plays. Third fewest 20-plus yard. Uh, completions allowed in the NFL. You know, Dan Arnold had a, a great game uh, on Thanksgiving, but he only ran 11 pass routes. Josh Hill ran eight pass routes. Ben Watson ran eight pass routes. Um, you know, Keith Kirkwood. I mean, all these guys are fun to play, you know, on single game DFS slates on Thanksgiving, but, you know, th- we're not really using them in season long leagues. We can move on to the 1 p.m. games. Love it. So much looking forward to that game tomorrow night. Should be awesome, awesome, awesome. The 1 o'clock games. Why don't we start interesting matchup fantasy and real life. The Ravens are in Atlanta to take on the Falcons, who might be the streakiest team in the league this year. Bunch of losses, bunch of wins, now back to a bunch of losses. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, they're just not that good of a team. I mean, I think that we can say that. Uh, facing off with Baltimore. You know, I I do think that they're going to be able to score on Baltimore. Ravens defense has been better uh, at home than on the road, really for years. I mean, this is a trend that dates back years. And um, I think that the passing game for the uh, the Falcons can have success. Just Julio is difficult to guard, man. And Jimmy Smith has not been a shutdown corner since coming back. From his early season suspension, uh, they've played some musical chairs at cornerback lately. I think they've kind of finally settled on Marlon Humphrey as the left outside corner, Jimmy Smith as the right outside corner, and uh, Brandon Carr, uh, veteran uh, at the slot corner position. Uh, but I think that the the Falcons have advantages on all those, with, with Calvin Ridley mostly going up against Marlon Humphrey, his former college teammate. Julio against Jimmy Smith, Mohamed Sanu in the slot. So I think that Matt Ryan, he's he's kind of in that same boat as Dak Prescott as a fantasy play this week. I think he's actually a little bit better of a fantasy play than Dak Prescott. Um, but but that's where I, the range where I would have him in on that as a fringe quarterback one. Um, the running game is, is not really in position for success. First of all, you have something of a timeshare, although it is – leaned more toward Tevin Coleman recently, but facing a really good run defense. I mean, Tevin Coleman is a fringe flex play in a game like this where, you know, in a week like this where 
why you should have better options, ideally. Um, so, uh, and then uh, Austin Hooper, you know, the, one of the best places to attack the Ravens is in the middle of the field. Uh, and so I think that Austin Hooper, to me, gets, gets the nod over Muhammad Sanu as a streamer play that you could pick up and play uh, this week against Baltimore. On the Ravens side, um, you know, I, I think that the, the, it's a really good matchup for everyone. Gus Edwards has clearly taken over as the, uh, the, the feature back in Baltimore, you know, not catching a lot of passes. So if the, the, if the Ravens fall behind, that could definitely be a concern. He could get subbed out for Ty Montgomery. Uh, Ty Montgomery now looks to be the Ravens' number two back. Um, Lamar Jackson scored uh, a little, little over 18 points in his first start, 22 points in his second start. I mentioned last week that I was having trouble deciding between Jameis Winston and Lamar Jackson. Uh, Jameis Winston scored 22.8 points, and Lamar Jackson scored 22.2 points. Uh, so it just really, really didn't – it was a drop in the bucket, the difference. Uh, but this week, uh, I think that Lamar Jackson is a good play. You get to play him on the fast track um, in the Dome against a pretty bad defense. Uh, last week, he, his struggles occurred passing the ball in the first half. That was weird that they only ran the ball one time in the first two quarters with him. Uh, but they kind of settled in in the second half. I agree with your statement that kind of wish that Greg Roman uh, was calling the plays for the Ravens instead of Mar- Marty Morningweg. But either way, I think it's clear that, you know, they, they know that he, he is most effective as a runner. Shoot, he had, what, 27 rushing attempts, really 24, plus the kneel downs in the first game. And then in the second game, um, they, they settled in in the second half with, uh, with using him as a runner. And, and that's, you know, that, that's where that's his bread and butter, both in fantasy and in real life. You know, the deal with all the pass catchers at this point, they're all dart throws. I mean, just, you know, case in point, Willie Sneed had eight targets in Lamar Jackson's first start, zero targets in his second start. Um, so that kind of takes care of that game. We can move on to the next one. Next one is the Broncos. Philip Lindsay, he's just fun to watch. They got a couple wins in a row against the Bengals with Jeff Driscoll. Um, I, I, I got news for you. I don't know when A.J. Green was supposed to come back, but his toe might linger now a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm a little more optimistic about Je- Jeff Driscoll. It's probably misguided. I mean, the guy lost his starting job at the University of Florida to someone named Trayon Harris, who I, I mean, I, I don't know who that is. Um, he wound up at Louisiana Tech. Uh, he is athletic. Um, he ran four five six at six four two thirty four, coming out of college. Uh, the reason that I'm mildly op- optimistic about him is because he's played well in the preseason. And look, that can go either way, you know, using that as a predictive factor. But he has thrown a a good amount of passes in the preseason, over 70, uh, and he's completed over 60% of his passes, uh, over seven yards per attempt, three touchdowns, one interception, one rushing touchdown. That's really where his uh, his streamer slash two-quarterback league slash DFS appeal would lie is in his running ability. Um, Now, he only ran one time this particular preseason, which I thought was weird, but he has rushed for two touchdowns in the last four weeks. So 
I think he's got some potential, but I, I, I agree with you that, you know, in the passing game, it down it takes down Tyler Boyd a little bit, although he did throw a 28-yard touchdown pass to Tyler Boyd. That gives you some hope. Um, but Tyler Boyd's going to be playing in the slot against Chris Harris. That diminishes your hope a little bit. Um, A.J. Green, we don't know if he's going to come back. Uh, he is, Jeff Driscoll has targeted the crap out of C.J. Uzoma. You know, I like to go look at um, – the, the target distributions for the guys uh, in you know the, the smaller samples when they've played. Jeff Driscoll has something like 35 attempts so far this regular season, and 13 of them have gone to C.J. Uzoma. So if you're looking for a streamer, he's in the mix. There are a lot of decent streamers this week, but C.J. Uzoma is uh, among them. Broncos have allowed the seventh most yards per game to opposing tight ends. Joe Mixon last week was used as that RB1 uh, that we were, were hopeful that he would be. Uh, he w- did not look like that in the previous game, but he did get banged up a little bit in that previous game. Uh, but in the last one, 72% of the snaps, well over 20 t- or 21 touches, uh, seven catches, which you love to see, and uh, f- was targeted four times by Driscoll himself. So uh, j- uh, I think that Joe Mixon is a, a, a borderline RB1 in this game. I think that the, the Bengals can can stay competitive here. I mean, the Broncos are coming off a, a big upset win, going on the road at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Um, I think that the Bengals can hang around in this one and not get blown out. Uh, on the other side, the Broncos are rolling in terms of their running game. And, you know, we talked a little bit about how Ronald Leary's out for the season. Matt Paradis is out for the season. Uh, his backup, Max Garcia, out for the season. They're still running the ball at a very, very efficient clip. A lot, of, So much of that credit goes to Philip Lindsay. Um, and the Bengals have, of course, been just absolutely atrocious, defending everything, really. I mean, look, they're, they're, they're to the point now where they have allowed the most points per game in the NFL, at 31.5, and, and the most total yards per game, at almost 500 total yards per game. I mean, this is the worst defense in the NFL. Fire the cannons on Phillip Lindsay. Royce Freeman not getting enough work. Um, Case Keenum is uh, kind of in the mix as a streamer, and, and that is because Emmanuel Sanders in, in, is in a great spot. First of all, Emmanuel Sanders is the number one receiver in uh, Josh Hermsmeyer's air yards by low model. He was also in the air yards by low model. We didn't get to it last week just kind of because um, of Thanksgiving. Uh, but he was also in the model last week, wound up on the Millie Maker lineup on DraftKings. And uh, this week he's the number one player. Uh, and Cortland Sutton is also in the model. He's actually the last guy in the model. But uh, that gives you some, some reason to maybe like him as a cheap play in daily fantasy tournaments. Uh, to me, Emmanuel Sanders is a cash game play against Cincinnati in a great matchup. A guy who should have a high floor and a high ceiling, averaging nine targets per game since the Broncos traded Demarius Thomas. Speaking of streamers, Matt Lacoste. See, and I would like Matt Lacoste better than CJ Uzoma this week, not by a lot. I mean, we're, you know, it's like 51 49 kind of deal. But Matt Lacoste, six foot six, 257 can run i mean 471 is good at that weight at that size uh matt lacoste last week three catches for 34 yards and a touchdown had a 44 yard gain a couple of weeks ago 
has played in eight games this season, has a catch in all eight, and that's despite backing up Jeff Hireman, who is now out for the season. There uh, so, you go, Evan. There you go, Hireman. I love it. How about that? How about that? <laughs> um, but uh, Hireman, I'm, I'm sorry, um, Matt Lacoste, uh, I like him as a guy that is should be available in like every single league. Um, and you could pick him up and play him, and he's not a terrible play by any means. Like he's better than Blake Jarwin. He's better than you know Dan Arnold. He's you know he's a better better option than these guys that aren't re- that don't even really play very much. He's going to be out there for pretty much every snap against a real real bad defense. It's bad at linebacker, bad at safety, bad everywhere. Um, yeah, that takes care of that game. On to the next one. On to the next, and that is the L.A. Rams off the bye against the Detroit Lions in Detroit. Yeah, you'd think the Rams are just going to roll them. Uh, first of all, should note, the you know, game's going to be played indoors. Always like that this time of year. You know, if you want to have a tiebreaker for your fantasy lineup decision, play the guy indoors. You don't have to worry about the weather. The games tend to be high scoring anyways. Uh, historically, Goff, awesome play. Gurley, awesome play. Um, I think that the the Rams might get Gurley more involved in the passing game this week. Lions' run defense has really – it's funny, you know, Damon Harrison, the exact impact that you would expect, him moving away from the Giants. Giants' run defense has just gone in the gutter. Lions' run defense has been solid. I mean, shoot, they, they you know, they played the Bears on Thursday. The, the way to attack the Lions right now is to use your running backs in the passing game against them. We saw that with Taquan Mizell. We saw that with Tarek Cohen, and they even left some plays on the field to Tarek Cohen on Thanksgiving in the passing game. Uh, so I think that we, we see that, uh, a big passing game usage workload for Todd Gurley against the Lions, not necessarily dominating them uh, with the run. Uh, in, the, in the receiver core, Robert Woods, as expected, the slot receiver, that's been a great matchup all year against Detroit. Um, Brandon Cooks outside, I don't think that anybody, even Darius Slay, I don't think any of these guys can cover Brandon Cooks. Uh, his uh, air yards and target expectations both rise whenever Cooper Cup is out for the lineup, and of course Cooper Cup is out for the season. Uh, Josh Reynolds has been a touchdown scoring machine over Cooper Cup's last two games, saw eight targets Last week, he's playing every snap. He's gaining chemistry with Jared Goff. I think he's a high upside wide receiver three play against Detroit. I looked at in some of my leagues. He was still unowned in some of my leagues this week, of course. Picked him up immediately, uh, and I'm going to start him uh, wherever wherever it makes sense. Uh, Gerald Everett has been playing a little bit more. Uh, he's been catching touchdowns. He had two touchdowns in that game against Kansas City. I think it was fluky. He's been playing a little bit more. He's still around like 30% of the snaps. Of course, when he is in the game, he's running routes. He's not doing a ton of blocking. Um, but he is he's in that mix with Matt Lacoste and C.J. Uzoma. Um, just know what you're getting into. You know, know what you're betting on. You're betting on a guy that is not playing a lot, um, but definitely has the athleticism and you know, is in the, you know, a very functional, you know, high functioning offense. Whereas with Uzoma and Lacoste, you know, not as in, uh, not in as much fun- functioning offenses, 
but uh, are going to be out there for like every snap. Um, so, you know, just as long as you know what you're getting into, I think that you can make the best decision. Uh, and then uh, on the Lions side, you know, Matthew Stafford, this offense has just been broken, but the scoring expectation is going to go up for Matthew Stafford this week. If you can get him cheap in fantasy or in, in DFS, I think that he's worth a look as a tournament play. You play him with Kenny Galladay, who's just getting a million targets, a million air yards every single week, has been highly productive. Great matchup against the Rams. Rams are getting a keep to lead back, but hey, you know, dude's been out for two and a half months. He's 32 years old. He's coming off ankle surgery, in season ankle surgery. So, how effective is he going to be in his first game back? I don't know. You know, we'll, we'll talk to Dr. Chow, ask Dr. Chow about that uh, later in the week, see what he has to say. Check him out on Twitter at ProFootballDoc. Um, yeah, so Kenny Galladay locked in. I don't think we're going to see on Johnson. You can you can try it with LeGarrette Blunt. It worked out on Thanksgiving, but LeGarrette Blunt has been far, uh, you know, he has been ineffective far more often than effective this season, and he doesn't catch passes. So uh, low floor, touchdown or bust guy. Uh, uh, Bruce Ellington has settled in as the Lions slot receiver. He's got six catches in back-to-back games. Should probably be able to do better at this stage of the season. Uh, but he does have a pretty secure role. Uh, and, you know, this is a game where the Lions are going to have to score more to be, than usual to be competitive. Michael Roberts came real close to a couple of touchdowns against the Bears on Thanksgiving still didn't play a whole lot. And so he'd be in, in terms of streamers, he'd be uh, below, you know, that, that CJ Uzoma, Matt Lacoste, Gerald Everett range. Last guy I talked about Theo Riddick, um, you know, just purely a, a PPR play and not, not a high upside one. Doesn't really matter with whether or not carry on Johnson plays that has, not affected him in the box score. It has affected where he plays on the field in the real life football, but from a box score standpoint, hasn't affected him a whole lot. Uh, we can move on to the next one. Next game, it's the Arizona Cardinals taking on the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay. Packers, one of the most disappointing offenses in the league, maybe the most disappointing offense in the league, but man, they should, they should be able to have their way against this Cardinals defense, especially on the ground. Cardinals just lost Josh Bynes, their best run stopper uh, inside linebacker for the season. And they have been bad against the run either way. I think Aaron Jones can, can rip this one apart. His touches keep going up. Jamal Williams touches keep going down Aaron Jones is a guy that I'm going to try to fit into my daily fantasy lineups this week Aaron Rodgers is a a, a tournament play in daily fantasy um I I think that he's an okay not great play in in uh, in season long leagues um we don't really know about Randall Cobb I mean he's questionable every week and never plays Equanimia St. Brown moved into the slot last week Marquez Valdez-Scantling moved outside. That suggests that when Randall Cobb comes back, um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is going to keep that third receiver role. Something to note, Devontae Adams going to have Patrick Peterson likely draped all over him. That's a concern. But, you know, Devontae Adams makes it happen 
pretty much every week, whether it be with, you know, over 100 yards or scoring a touchdown. And he's had a lot of really tough, tough matchups this season, but he keeps getting the job done. They can move him into the slot. They, you know, the Packers, they don't make a lot of adjustments as an offense, but um, the one adjustment that they are willing to make is to move their number one receiver around to avoid the opponent's top cornerback. Um, at tight end, Jimmy Graham did play last week, didn't do a whole lot. Uh, you know, he's gotten to the point where you might want to look at someone like Matt Lacoste, like C.J. Uzoma, like Gerald Everett. Uh, at the end of the day, I'd probably settle on going with Jimmy Graham, but he has been that unproductive um, that you're starting to think about streamers over him. On the Cardinals side, you know, the Packers are missing Mike Daniels uh, with a foot injury, and they haven't been good against the run even with Mike Daniels on the field. So I think that this can be a game where David Johnson bounces back. Your concern is that they just get blown out. At the same time, Packers haven't been blowing out anybody. They should have blown out the Dolphins by like 40 a couple of weeks ago, but they kept making errors on the field, getting Aaron Rodgers sacked on third down to end drives. You know, they just have not been a team that maximizes its potential. Um, and so that could allow the Cardinals to hang around a little bit more. And still last week, even though the Cardinals got blown out, David Johnson still got 19 touches. He's got 19 or more touches in every game since Byron Leftwich took over as play caller. Josh Rosen has zero top 12 finishes so far through, I think it's eight NFL starts now. Um, and then... Uh, Larry Fitzgerald in the slot against Green Bay, above average matchup, uh, and he, he's been getting the job done, not with big catch and yardage totals, but he's been scoring touchdowns, and I think that the big catch and yard, yardage totals will come uh, eventually. He's, he's had a few over the course of the season, just not recently. Um, Christian Kirk on the outside, going to be a tough one against Jair Alexander. Christian Kirk has been very up and down in that role this season, really, really going to be, end up being a slot receiver in the league, I think, but he's playing outside now until Larry Fitzgerald uh, calls it quits. Ricky Seals Jones, just, just not enough there in terms of bottom line production. We can move on to the next one. Let's get to Cleveland where Baker Mayfield and the boys Chubb, they're on fire against the Houston Texans. How about Lamar Miller, Evan? Yeah, and the Texans are going to be home favorites here. Uh, you know, since they have scaled back Deshaun Watson, and you know he hey, he was the number one fantasy quarterback last week, so I'm not talking about in terms of fantasy production, but they've scaled him back in terms of his number of dropbacks, his volume of dropbacks. Backs. Since then, Lamar Miller has been highly, highly productive in terms of workload. And then we, we see, you know, when he bangs long runs like he did on Monday night, he can be a stud in fantasy. Brown's run defense has not been great all season. And um, so this is a good matchup as a home favorite for Lamar Miller when he's in position to get 18 to 25 touches. Uh, he's a real strong play in week 13. Deshaun Watson, a strong play every single week. 
he's had more ups and downs this year, I think, than people might have anticipated. Um, you know, in part due to injury, due to offensive line play, due to just natural regression. But he's got in his toolbox that ability to be the number one fantasy quarterback on the week. You know, Philip Rivers has been steady Eddie, you know, like multiple touchdown passes every single game. You know what you're going to get, but he has nothing like the upside that Deshaun Watson brings to the table. Deshaun Watson has finished as the number one fantasy quarterback on the week twice this season. Philip Rivers hasn't even finished as a top five fantasy quarterback in any game all year. Um, that rushing ability is really invaluable. We saw Demarius Thomas get more involved last week. Kind of knew that was going to happen. Um, you know, coming off the, the game where he had one target and zero catches, uh, they forced it to him a little bit. And so I think he's going to continue to be up and down. Kiki QT aggravated his hamstring injury. This would be a good matchup for Kiki QT, but I think that he's really difficult to trust um, because this hamstring injury, I mean, it's been going on since the, pre- since the preseason, and you can't risk a guy just leaving a game early. DeAndre Hopkins is going to square off with Denzel Ward. You know, DeAndre Hopkins kind of had the slow game last week, his slowest all season. Um, but I think that he is much likelier to bounce back than not, regardless of the coverage matchups. On the other side, the, the Browns offense has been rolling. You know, are we going to see, is it going to be matchup proof? Because going to Houston, that, that's, you know, not, not a difficult or that's not an easy spot for the Browns at all. Um, I think that Baker Mayfield would be a little point chasey here. Uh, Nick Chubb, I mean, look, he's getting 20-plus touches every game. Uh, but the Texans have the best run defense in the in the AFC. And Nick, and Nick Chubb is going to be a road underdog against them. I think that we could see Duke Johnson get a little bit more involved this week. But for Nick Chubb, you know, although he has produced like an RB1 recently, I think you treat him as more of a mid-range RB2 uh, in a game like this. Antonio Callaway popped up for a pretty big game last week, and he has, you know, I think that just in terms of matchup, he has the best among the um, the, the Browns' uh, wide receivers this week because he's got speed, and you can run by the Texans' outside cornerbacks. Uh, I mean, these, guys, these are not speedy guys. Um, you know, I mean, I think that at the end of the day, Antonio Callaway is very much a, a high-variance dart throw, but uh, he does have a good matchup, and I think that that's worth noting. Um, Jarvis Landry has just not been a focal point of the offense with Freddie Kitchens as the offensive coordinator. I mean, targets haven't been there, catches haven't been there, uh, touchdowns haven't been there. Uh, so I think that he is low. Uh, in the wide receiver three ratings at this point, Aaron Colvin, stud slot corner for the Texans uh, back. Uh, at tight end, David Njoku has the best matchup of any member of the Browns' uh, offense. Texans have been awful against tight ends this season. Jeff Hireman had that monster game against them a few weeks ago. Uh, last week, Jono Smith uh, rips the the monster gain, uh, the monster touchdown, and then Anthony Ferkser, Harvard boy, uh, comes off the bench for four catches in 52 yards 
against the Texans, both in the same game. Uh, so David Njoku, keep him rolling. I know he had uh, some some bumps in the road there, but he's going to be a good play the rest of the way. We can move on to the next one. Okay, it's the Colts who are rolling against the Jags who are not and will not have Leonard Fournette. Yeah, so Carlos Hyde is going to be the hot guy here. But, man, I think that T.J. Yeldon is a much better fill-in. Um, certainly if you play in PPR leagues or even half-point PPR, uh, first of all, since Carlos Hyde was acquired, T.J. Yeldon has more touches than him, period. Um, he's got way more use in the passing game. Carlos had a zero catches in four games since the Jaguars got him. Uh, only two targets. And T.J. Yeldon, uh, you know, that's, of course, one of the strengths of his game. If you look at the Colts and the way that they match up against running backs, the way to beat them is with receiving backs. Um, their run defense, just in terms of, like, yards per carry allowed and efficiency on the ground has been pretty good, but you can really hurt them uh, in the passing game with running backs. You can go back and look at when these teams played. I believe it was week 10. Leonard Fournette actually was the Jaguars' leading receiver. And then if you look at Cody Kessler and who he has been targeting, um, he's been throwing that he, you know, he is a, definitely a check down quarterback. Um, you know, not a big, strong armed guy. TJ Yeldon has been his most frequent target. It's not by a lot, but um, he's getting more targets than. Uh, most of the wide receiver core, certainly more than the tight end core. Um, so I think that TJ Yeldon is the guy that you want, not Carlos Hyde. I think that Carlos Hyde is going to end up being a trap play. Now I know that Carlos Hyde is 3,300 on DraftKings. So that's going to be a little difficult to get away from. TJ Yeldon is 4,300. But I don't think that anyone should be surprised if TJ Yeldon like doubles up Carlos Hyde. Uh, in a PPR format like DraftKings. You know, we could go through all the Jaguars receivers. You know, just you're, you're on your own with the Jaguars receivers. Um, on the <laughs> other side, the Colts. Uh, the Andrew Luck has been a stud. Uh, you know, he, he has been a stud uh, regardless of opponent. I think that the Jaguars are to the point where you do not, you don't fear them at all. Um Five of the last six quarterbacks to have faced Jacksonville have been top 12 fantasy quarterbacks on the week. That's including guys like uh, Dak Prescott and um, Carson Wentz and, you know, guys who have not necessarily been lighting it up otherwise. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not afraid of them at all. Uh, Andrew Luck, 100% good to go. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, I think 100% good to go. He had 77 yards and seven targets when these teams played in Week 10. I know Jalen Ramsey's going to be out there, but, you know, the Jaguars have started to give up big plays. Robert Foster, the undrafted rookie out of Alabama, had a 75-yard touchdown bomb against him. Just got wide open last week. Not against Ramsey, but against the, against the Jaguars' coverage. Uh, <clears throat> Jack Doyle out for the season. Unfortunately, uh, Eric Ebron has averaged 10 targets per game in the five games Jack Doyle has missed this season. That is just absurd. For, that's Zach Ertz. That's what Zach Ertz gets, 10 targets per game. Um, and you're getting him in a higher scoring offense than the Eagles this year. So 
Eric Ebron top five tight end play against the Jags. When these teams met earlier in the year, Eric Ebron three touchdowns. Uh, Mo Ali Cox also scored a touchdown in that game. Um, I've gotten questions about Mo Ali Cox, and uh, I think he's worth grabbing in dynasty leagues, but he is um, he would be below the Uzoma uh, Lacoste tier, uh, the and Gerald Everett. Rest of the Colts receivers just Dontrell Inman, and then all the other guys are like rotating in. Marla Mack, I don't know if he's going to play. Uh, he has a concussion. Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins will be next in line for work. Um, I have not gotten to that. You can read my column on Thursday. We can move on to the next one. Okay, let's get to the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen and company against Miami Dolphins down in Miami Sunday at 1. Yeah, Dolphins' offense is so weird. I mean, you never want to use anyone really in, in their offense. But each week, some guy is coming out of the woodwork to make a big play. And last week, it was Leontay Carew. Um, just skies up over a DB, grabs the ball, you know, and wins the contested catch and goes to the end zone, 74-yard touchdown. Of course, he only ran like uh, eight routes in the game, and he only got two targets. So, you know, that's fun to see on Red Zone or, or Sports Center or whatever, but it's not really bankable from – a fantasy football standpoint. Devontae Parker was out there. Danny Amendola wasn't out there very much, uh, dealing with a knee injury. Kenny Stills was out there, but they don't throw the ball to him anymore. Um, you know, Chisicki was out there. Uh, uh, Kenyon Drake was out there. He, he scored a couple of touchdowns. Uh, um, but, you know, he, of, got, of course, got out-touched by uh, Frank Gore again. Ryan Tannehill was out there, but uh, he's been held to uh, 28 attempts or fewer. He's averaging like 25 attempts per game, you know, and he did throw a couple of touchdowns, but he still wasn't good in fantasy, just over 200 yards. Uh, They use him as a game manager. Bill's Josh Allen showed us his upside last week, Um, you know, as a runner. He only completed eight passes in the game, eight of 19. But he was a top five fantasy quarterback on the week because he rushed uh, 12 times for 100 yards, lost a couple of yards there at the end due to kneel downs. Um, but I think he's look, he's a he's a, a DFS tournament option, no no question, uh, because of that running ability. And it, and it took away last week from LaShawn McCoy. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, by the end of that last week, I thought he was going to be a really good fantasy player. I thought the Bills would win. Um, and I thought that, you know, they would be able to do some work on the ground and they did. It just wasn't with him, uh, on a lot of the read option keepers. It was, uh, Josh Allen keeping the rock and, and ripping off big gains. And that took away from LaShawn McCoy. Uh, so, but the, they, they will be able to block better against the Dolphins front this week. And so I think you can go back to LaShawn McCoy still at 18 touches last week. Uh, but, you know, Josh Allen is more willing to tuck, to tuck the ball and run than to take the check down. Uh, that's something we've seen fr- pretty, pretty consistently. So uh, with, you know, from him, like Nathan Peterman, that was better for LaShawn McCoy in the passing game. Uh, not so much with Josh Allen. LaShawn McCoy, risky but playable RB2 
Uh, Robert Foster has over 90 yards in back-to-back games, but he's such a, you know, he's a low-volume dude who has to do it on on one big play. Now, the Dolphins have given up the second-most 40-plus-yard receptions in the NFL, so it wouldn't be crazy to see Robert Foster get behind the defense again, but you know, you you got to know what you're getting into. He's not going to get more than like two or three targets, and it's hard to bank on guys like that. We can move on to the next one. Okay, the next one is the Chicago Bears. Still looking like, I think, Chase Daniel, but we'll see. Against the Giants, who moved the ball at will in the first half. They had 346 yards of offense in the first half against the Eagles and lost that game. Crazy, crazy. It was like almost like they're trying to tank or something. I mean, Odell wasn't ba- out out for the first series. Saquon sat a bunch in the second half. Um, the, I, Odell wasn't out for the first possession of the second half. I guess he was getting an IV or something. Shermer said that Saquon Barkley wasn't. Uh, they wanted to rest him or something. I mean, I don't know. You know, it's kind of kind of weird things going on there. Uh, now uh, facing a better defense, one of the best defense in the league with extra rest after the Thursday Thanksgiving game. Uh, you know, I, I'm not too optimistic about members of the of the Giants offense. You, you play Saquon Barkley because he gets 20 plus touches every week and he's a dynamic playmaker in the run and passing games. Um, you play Odell Beckham because, you know, he's a top five NFL wide receiver and He's kind of the squeaky wheel after uh, complaining about the game plan last week, and we see what happens with squeaky squeaky wheels all the time. They get fed the next week. I think he can win against the the Bears outside cornerbacks. Bears have given up pretty good uh, production to the uh, perimeter wide receiver position all throughout the year, even though Prince Amukamara and Kyle Fuller are solid. Uh, But they've given up a lot of production – there this year Evan Ingram pulls his hamstring during warm-ups last week doesn't play uh his playing time was down even before that I, I wouldn't try to use Rhett Ellison against the Bears no tight end has gotten to 50 yards against the Bears all season uh Sterling Shepard I think is an all right play he's been held under 40 yards in four straight games but um I think he's likelier to bounce back you know not not necessarily a big upside play but um, you know, not not a terrible play either. Uh, on the the Bears side, you know, you, you mentioned with Chase Daniel. I, I don't know if we're going to get him as the starter. We might not even find out until late in the week. You know, Tarek Cohen showed that he could still get the job done. Jordan Howard, I, it's to the point where I don't even know if you can play him. Um, hey, Evan, that's the next one yeah. we got to work on. By the way, it, it's Tariq Cohen. I've let that one go too Tariq. long. Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen. Okay, Tariq. Tariq Cohen, yeah. Uh, Jordan Howard starting to lose playing time to Taquan Mizell. Uh, that's not good for him. Um, in the pass catcher core, I mean, there are just so many guys. You know, I, I don't know. And then, and then Tariq Cohen takes away from them. So, it's it's really hard to address week in and week out. I mean, I, I never know who's going to maybe have a good game. You know, I can we we can look at little things like look, the Giants are getting killed by tight ends again. That's maybe good for Trey Burton, but you know, Matt Nagy may have different 
plans than that. So Allen Robinson, uh, Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller are all like fringe wide receiver three flex plays. Trey Burton is a fringe tight end one. Um, we can move on to the next one. Okay. Uh, next one is the last one here for part one, Evan, and it's the Carolina Panthers against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, this should be an awesome one. Jameis Winston coming off his best game of the season, maybe one of his best games of his career. I mean, zero zero turnovers, well over 300 yards, was highly efficient, you know, um, got rid of the ball quickly. Uh, it helps that the 49ers have zero pass rush, but neither do the Panthers. Um, when these teams played earlier in the season, it was Ryan Fitzpatrick in there. It was a 40, a 48 to 28, something like that. Uh, or I don't know. It was really high scoring game. Uh, and I, I anticipate something similar. Now the trend is that, uh, when these interdivision games, uh, happen, the, the, the second game in the series to, they tend to be lower scoring, but you know, it, it could be lower scoring and be like, you know, 34 to 27. And I think we'd be fine with that. Uh, so, you know, it's it's fire the cannons. It's Cam Newton. It's Christian McCaffrey. You know, awesome, awesome plays. Uh, we don't know about Devin Funchess yet. I think DJ Moore is locked in, though. I think he's the number one receiver for the Panthers rest of the way. Uh, Greg Olson, definitely want to use him against Tampa Bay. He had his best season or best game of the season earlier against them. They just get crushed by tight ends. Uh, Curtis Samuel always in that, you know, in that dart dart throw high, you know, high variance, um, you know, speedster kind of conversation. They use him as a rusher, uh, and that supplements his uh, his passing game production. Um, Christian McCaffrey is just destroying, and no reason to believe that he won't. Matt Breida lit up the the Buccaneers. Last weekend, even in a game where the 49ers scored nine points. Um, but, yeah, Jameis and Mike Evans, one of the best stacks this week. Now, James Bradbury did have uh, did win their battle uh, earlier this season. James Bradbury, Mike Evans got 10 targets in that game, and James Bradbury held him to 16 yards. Seven of those 10 targets were directly against James Bradbury. But, you know, I, I, Mike Evans now coming off back-to-back 100-yard games. Um, you know, clearly uh, the, the, the top target for Jameis Winston. Uh, and I think that Mike Evans can kind of get revenge on James Bradbury in this game. Uh, it is a home game for Tampa Bay. Um, Deshaun Jackson went to see a hands specialist early in the week. Don't know about him on the chance that he does not play. Uh, Chris Godwin would become a near full-time player. Adam Humphreys had a huge game against Carolina earlier in the season. Captain Munnerlin just giving up touchdowns galore recently. Recently, um, It was Tyler Lockett last week uh, beat him for a 35 yard TD uh, Humphreys scored two touchdowns against Carolina earlier in the season. Uh, I think that Adam Humphreys, let's say Deshaun Jackson plays, and you know those guys are cutting 
uh, Godwin and Djax are cutting into each other's workloads. I think that Adam Humphreys would actually be a better play than both of them. Uh, at tight end, Cam Brait did nothing in the second half last week, but he got just enough in the first half that he was a top 12 tight end. On the week, three catches for 126 yards, saw four targets. The target they did not catch was an end zone target. Uh, so like to see that. Uh, I think that he is – I'd have him above Matt Lacoste, above C.J. Uzoma, above Gerald Everett uh, in terms of the tight end streamers. Um, he's going to be out there more. He's in a, a real high-scoring projected game. He's getting all this end zone love. Uh, and the Buccaneers, I'm sorry, the Panthers give up uh, the fourth most fantasy points to tight ends, and that takes care of the 1 p.m. Eastern time games. Evan, that was fantastic. As always, the only thing better than hearing your breakdowns of each and every game, possibly even better, is actually going to the game. And you know how you go to the game? SeatGeek. Look, you guys know, I mean, this weekend – I'll be on the sideline for the SEC Championship. I'll be in the booth for Steelers Chargers Sunday night, Westwood 1. Then back on the sideline Monday night for Eagles Redskins. I got an incredible weekend coming up. But when I'm flying, like when I'm picking my flight to Atlanta, I go to Kayak because Kayak aggregates United and Delta and American and all that stuff, right? That's how it works. It's an aggregator. That's what SeatGeek is. It aggregates all the ticket sites so that you don't have to. So you know that you're getting the best price. You know you're getting the best ticket. It's incredible. And if you use the code FEAST, you get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Just use the promo code FEAST today. Get the SeatGeek app on your phone. Look, I'm a big believer. Just get the app on your phone and then... When you're sitting in traffic or something or you're standing in line, you scroll through, you see what tickets are available, or you just try to get tickets for somebody for a holiday gift. People love getting tickets because it's something they can put on the calendar and look forward to. It's the SeatGeek app and it's promo code FEAST, so you get those $10 off. I absolutely love it, and I know you guys will as well. I also love, Evan, episode number two. Because we've got the Sunday afternoon games, the Sunday nighter that I'll be at, the Monday nighter that I'll be at. we got a bunch more games to break down. Part two of the Fantasy Feast Eaten podcast. We will record that right now and put it in your podcast app shortly after midnight. You have it for your morning commute here because we aim to please at RT Media and RossTucker.com. I'm stuffed, but plenty of room for dessert. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.